everyone. I'm Stacy Lee from Reality Checks with Stacy Lee and All About Animals Radio. And I am here today talking with Jack Geshard. He has been the voice of the threatened and possibly endangered Thule elk out in California. And he also works with Animal League uh, in defense of animals. And uh, we are going to be talking about an issue that has been going on for many, many years, but possibly possibly might have some good updates, some good news, and of course, an action alert for those that want to help the elk. So Jack, welcome. Thank you. Uh, let's start with an overview of what is going on with the Thule elk out in California for people who are not familiar with the issue uh, and don't know what's going on. Great, uh, happy to do that. There are about um, 500 Thule elk, a rare subspecies of California native elk, uh, smaller than moose back east, let's say, but bigger than deer out here in California. And they are in Point Reyes National Seashore, specifically the herd that I'm working with and In Defense of Animals is and my Tree Spirit Project. Um, they were brought into the park, uh, I'm sorry, Point Reyes National Seashore, is a 71,000 acre uh, national park unit, a national seashore, 20 miles north of San Francisco. And I'm um, just trying to think where to go here to keep it short uh, and do it in bites. But um, the 500 elk in the park in three different herds, and one of the largest herds is in a fenced compound, which is what we'll be talking about today, comprise about 10% of the entire Thule elk population of the world, about 5,000, 5,500 Thule elk. So they are rare. There's only 5,000-ish in the world. Um, they don't have the endangered, to be technical, uh, ranking um, that's given out by the Fish and Wildlife Service. And that's a lot of that's actually political because people want to hunt the animal and it's endangered or threatened. You can't hunt usually. So um, I speak with an elk biologist, one of many, many activists uh, and people engaged in this issue, trying to have these animals at Point Reyes Seashore be uh, well, of course, they're not hunted or shot there because it's a national park unit established in 1962, and the elk were brought in and reestablished. They were down to only about, um, gosh, it was it was like 10 or 20 at most elk in the entire state. And they brought a uh, group of 10 individuals elk up to Point Reyes Seashore, which was great, done by the National Park Service mm -hmm. in 1978 when I was just graduating high school, actually, and the population boomed. They did well. They had erected a fence to keep them away from cattle operations that were still in the park that were supposed to be removed and out of the park by 1987, which is nine years after these elk were brought in. So there was the ranchers don't particularly want elk on what they consider their property, but then it gets complicated because the ranchers actually don't own the land. It's the only national park unit in the country which has actually active dairy operations dairy and beef ranches, but specifically the dairy operations operating inside the park happens nowhere else in the entire National Park Service, you know, CADRA um, assortment of park units, which is, you know, seashores and national parks like Yosemite and Yellowstone, the bigger ones. But the issue here, the, the is, hey, don't fence in half of the population of the 500 wild elk at Point Reyes Seashore, which they currently are fenced in uh, at the northernmost uh, little peninsula of Point Reyes National Seashore on what's called Tamales Point, there is a Thule elk reserve. And I always do my little finger quotes when I say reserve, because the reserve is killing elk. 
So two issues. Um, one is we want them protected in the park and to be free, but then also then they come into conflict with the privately owned cattle ranches, which are renting land in the park. They are also the major polluters in the park, the cattle ranches, because there are about uh, 4,500 to 5,000 cows, depends on the season, depends on the day. But they actually produce, um, people don't know, but a great deal of manure and urine that goes on the land. Then in the seasonal rains here in California, which are in our winter, they wash into the waterways and they contaminate the streams, the bays, the lagoons, and ultimately the Pacific Ocean, where all of this is uh, Point Reyes Seashore is along the Pacific Ocean, as I said, just north of San Francisco. So that's a lot of information to digest. <laughs> and I'm sorry for spewing it out so quickly, but I assume people are pretty quick. And what it's boiled down to now is, and the good news, uh, let me start with that. The actual good news, it is really true for people who love animals, national parks, wild lands, the environmentalists and animal rights folks, uh, and I'm a member of both of those groups, okay. are fighting so many losing battles, right? It gets so depressing. This is actually a group of activists uh, activated a much larger community of citizens and informed the media. So those three elements, activists, lots of citizens, and the media. And then there's also two lawsuits in addition. And I've actually got the Park Service, a federal agency, in the Department of Interior, the federal government, to now as of June 9th, so this is relatively new news, to say they are proposing to remove the fence finally at Point Reyes Seashore, which would free this largest herd of elk into the whole park. And then, then would come the next set of issues, which is now the ranchers are going to be upset that there's more conflict with the elk, not, not fighting with cows, they're both herbivores and peaceful, but quote unquote, the elk, and they're only, you know, 250 of this herd we're trying to release, to reconnoiter with the entire population of 500 elk. Mm -hmm. And there are about nine cows, nine commercial private cows, just there to make money in a national park competing with every one elk. So the other issue we're working on concurrently because they are interpenetrating issues is to remove private cattle operations from a public park. Right. Uh, and they're also heavily subsidized, which they don't admit to because they want to keep their sweetheart deal that they've had for many years. They have a lot of political muscle and maybe Stacey Lee will get into the whole cattle industry and their devastating effect nationwide. Yes. Which is so yes. upsetting. You know, we were talking before we began here of our generation. It's like, oh, the nice happy cows and the Ben and Jerry's fields and I have ice cream and we just have some milk and it's all natural and it's been going on for thousands of years. But I'm assuming your, your listeners know a lot better, but that's the dominant narrative that vegans and vegetarians and animal lovers are constantly encountering. So we just need everybody, in my opinion, as an activist, obviously, to just keep revealing these truths and then people will make a shift and just, you know, go to plant more plant-based foods. If not, you know, obviously entirely plant-based foods would be the, the ideal. But I, that issue is all in microcosm at Point Reyes National Seashore where they are fencing an elk who have died by the hundreds in recent years because right. now we're in drought because of the climate crisis, and then back to full circle, why the climate crisis? You know, fossil fuels, yes, but also, I don't say animal agriculture, the popular phrase, because that hides the truth. I right. call it cattle, cattle ranching. Cattle ranching, cattle. yeah, yeah. I wanted to circle back to a couple of things, just uh, so people could really understand. Please. The, the elk were reintroduced in 1978. And the ranchers were given many years until 1987. 87. 
That's from 1962 right. to 1987, 25 years, 25. and they were paid millions of dollars, by the way. They right. took the money, right. and they were supposed to then transition out. They were given a, a fair amount of time. You know, for all businesses, we want to be reasonable with you and pay you, and then you're going to transition out so your kids won't inherit the ranch and continue this business because we want to make a national park. And they exercised their political muscle. It's not illegal, but they got politicians to say, okay, we'll give you a five-year extension after 1987, and then another five years. And another 10 years. And right now, they've just been granted before this big shift in policy, which we activists are excited about. They granted them a 20 year provisional lease to stay another 20 years during a climate crisis, which absurd. is absurd. It's absurd, would be a nice way of saying it. Yes. Absurd. But I just wanted people to understand that this is not a new issue, that this has been going on for decades. I mean, decades. First of all, uh, when the elk were reintroduced, it wasn't a secret, you know, it, it took months or years, as you, as anyone knows, for the planning stage and then the committees and the funding. And OK, so so this doesn't happen in a bubble. So everybody, including the ranchers, knew that this was coming months and years in advance. So so they already had plenty of time to plan. They could have gotten out in 1979. They could have gotten out 1980. It was a gift, a gift taxpayers funded, by the way. Uh, to wait until 1987. That was 36 years ago. That's almost four decades. That's almost half a century. <laughs> this has been going on. So I just wanted people to really be clear on how long this nonsense has been going on. And the Park Service used to really be the good agency of the, I mean, the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, that BLM, uh, has always been a crap show. I'm on record saying that. Uh, fish and wildlife used to be good in the 80s and 90s, but not really since then. And the Park Service was always pretty much park rangers who, well, they started out pretty bad as hunters. And then in the 1940s and 50s, they kind of got their you-know-what together. And then they started actually preserving the jewel of the crown, right? The national parks and national seashores, seashores which uh, there was never supposed to be any kind of hunting or fishing. Uh, of course, that has now changed. You're actually allowed to hunt in national parks, which is absurd. So now the Park Service has kind of gone backwards, uh, obviously for political reasons, and there's always some little cashola involved in that. But I yep. just wanted people to realize that this has been going on for a long time. And of course, you've been a voice for the Thule Elk trying to get this out. Um, for a really long time. Now, um, just I, I don't want to claim credit where it isn't. So I, I appreciate that. And I've been an environmentalist <laughs> and a forest advocate with my tree spirit project for for well over a decade, 15 years about. But um, I'm, I'm new to this issue relatively. So I've been on it three years very actively and with the support um, the last couple of years from in defense of animals who's been very active in this issue, but also many other organizations, many other activists and a lot of citizens. Um, but we've seen it turn around because I, I guess I came in with a kind of another wave of energy of more people willing to work on it. And oh, we definitely have... in the last two, three years, because I didn't exactly. even know about it. And I'm pretty up on things. And I had so, no so idea. My message, so my message to anybody listening, because I'm, I'm as a as TreeSpear Project, I'm also a consultant for these kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're pissed off about something, it takes a lot of work. But you want to find other people in your community who want to work mm -hmm. on, as I say, you want to think globally and act locally, of course. So I'm working in, I mean, this is in my backyard, the elk behind me, I'm gonna clear myself out of the picture. This is Point Reyes Seashore. Those elk are standing uh, a 45 minute drive, 50 minute drive from where I'm sitting. So I care very much as local, but I get to work on the national cattle issue, even really an international climate issue. 
Yeah, the cat the cattle issue. Uh, I know from my work with uh, wild horses, it's it's the same. Um, I have nothing against cows. It's not it's not the cows. It's the ranchers. I don't want to blame the the animal, the cow. They they just go where the where they're told, really, basically. But cows do a huge, huge amount of damage to not just the when we say ecosystem. I mean, yeah, they pee and poop in the water. And you, you cannot filter that out. Sorry, folks. You, you know, once something's in the water, it's in the water forever. Uh, if, if you're talking about something solid, like a piece of furniture, if you put that in the water, it doesn't break down right away. But anything that is soft or liquid that goes in the water, darling, you're drinking it. Uh, you are. That's as, I, as I heard a longtime animal rights activist teach say recently uh, in a video <laughs> and taught me, we take nutrients, plant food, and push them through domesticated, basically confined, tortured cows, mm. get lots of cholesterol added to the nutrients, and then eat that stuff. And I, I didn't even, I only wish recently, I, I will admit, I didn't know that cholesterol was only in animal products. You can't oh, get cholesterol. only animal products, yeah. yeah. Right. And Which dairy, is, uh, dairy is actually uh, worse meat, when it comes to meat. fat. Uh, dairy is, is like condensed saturated fat and cholesterol. It's one of the worst things you could possibly consume. Thank God I was never a cheese, a cheeseaholic person. I guess I was just always born to be born to be vegan. Um, so it's not that for anyone listening, it's not that we have anything against the cows per se, but they do not belong uh, in a national park or seashore. And they certainly should not be displacing our native wildlife, uh, which is basically going extinct. Uh, because of this, they're losing their habitat as well as their life their, and their water and, and everything else because of this. And it's just absurd. So when people eat steak, and obviously a lot of people do, you know, if you weren't if you weren't driving that industry, we wouldn't have a lot of these problems. You know? So as an activist, this issue is particularly easy because we say it's a national park unit. So it's not about private property rights or anything like that. It's just we shouldn't be fencing in and culling. They actually have permission to shoot, to cull, right. to kill, shoot to death. The Park Service does some of the elk if they get above these arbitrary numbers that they set because they're in a fenced compound or fenced areas. Um, also, I do want to say, I just realized we should probably plug. So to be respectful of people's time, I'm, I'm thrilled if people will stay and listen to the whole show we're doing here. But also right now, uh, we're recording this on a Friday afternoon, September 22nd at... Um, in the afternoon and until through today, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then through Monday, September 25th, there's a chance for people to put in a public comment. It can take you as quick as two minutes and tell the park service who has done a official proposal. It's part of a NEPA law, National Environmental Policy Act, which is actually in the news again now, because of course some administrations, the previous one, no names are trying to gut NEPA laws and remove environmental protections. But right now, you can go to, I'm going to give you two URLs, easy to remember, and you can follow simple instructions and in two minutes, write a public comment, which in effect says, thank you, Park Service, for proposing removing the elk fence and freeing the tule elk. And oh, by the way, I'd also like cattle operations out. And if you do nothing but that, which is that quick, you will do a tremendous help. We already have over 10,000 people have signed the Indefensive Animals form that links to the National Park Service form. So that's the easiest way. And that URL is idausa.org slash elk. I'll say that again. IDA is short for indefensive animals. idausa.org slash forward slash elk. 
if and that want takes you right to the form that people and that can takes you it's it's it forwards to uh an alert page okay and a simple form which is name address and email and then you make comments there's a sample letter that i've written there um and in addition you can get more information if you want if you know if some people have more time on my website treespiritproject.com not a dot org well actually it's both but treespiritproject.com slash elk there's an informational page because this is going to be an ongoing issue but that's in either one of those urls ida is the simpler one to remember that's great ida usa i feel like al gore 1-800 al gore donation but that's <laughs> dating myself uh ida usa.org slash elk people can spend literally two minutes and just okay boom name address oh yes get the elk out free them and i want cattle ranches out of this national park sounds like a good idea and you're done that that quick so thank you for getting me that letting me do that plug right in the in the middle of the show here and also, um, just to let people know, as much as we are concerned and want to save the elk, this is also a broader issue, because if we continue to allow this kind of thing, it's not just the elk that we're going to kill off. It's going to mushroom out of out of control. It already has. Um, it already yeah, has. And it, it has. And it, and it has. I think there's 11 national parks that allow cow grazing cat, 18, cattle grazing. 18, 18 national 18. park units in my head that allow grazing point right, raise which, is unique for having an actual business where they milk cows a dairy operation thousands of cows but right. eight i'm told the number i mean i guess it changes from year to year but it's about 18 and a lot more right. than a dozen uh grazing rights because private company private industry the cattle industry wants to you know get into all the public land whether it's blm or national parks even and it's just oh and by the way you said it's it's you know it's going to happen no it's already happening which is when people read about oh the wolves are dying out or um, mountain lions are going extinct or coyotes are being shot by a division of the government called wildlife services mountain goats at uh, grand tetons uh, buffalo bison right at um, yellowstone it, it just yeah. goes on and on all and of these animals are being complained hunted. about as being destructive right. by cattle ranchers it's all back to cattle cattle exactly. cattle and through no fault of their own as you said exactly exactly in fact the, the mountain goats ironically uh the mount there was a, a group a population of mountain goats that were up in northwestern washington state i i don't know what happened to them but they they didn't survive so the mountain goats in wyoming um in grand grand teton national park uh i don't know how many i don't recall offhand how many there were I wrote an article about this because I, I couldn't believe it. Um, the Park Service decided to kill the mountain goats uh, in Wyoming instead of sending them to Washington State. The national parks in Washington State actually wanted them. This is where we this is where we are. The bison, right? I mean, you can't get more iconic and native of an animal in America other than the wild horse. Um, and they are allowed to be hunted. Trophy hunters are allowed to come into Yellowstone National Park, not lure them off the park, actually come into the park. These are outside trophy hunters. These are not park rangers or anything like that. By the way, the park does not shut down. Uh, tourists do not know that this is going on, right? Um, elk, uh, one of the conditions of forming Grand Teton was that they allowed the hunting of elk in the park money it's all about money for licenses right. to shoot license right. to kill <laughs> license for well, license to kill so this issue with the tule elk isn't just about the tule elk it's indicative of a much larger and in my view sicker problem 
um, of not only allowing non-native animals to live uh, in a national park that taxpayers support, but to maneuver out our native species, even when they are endangered. And then sometimes the answer to that is to hunt the native species to protect the non-native species that we shouldn't be eating in the first place because it gives us cancer and heart disease and diabetes. But that's a whole other issue. <laughs> it's, and, speak, and speaking of heart disease, it's, lunacy, of heart disease right? it's, it's easy to make a, a cogent, rational, science-based argument that the cattle industry is far more destructive than the smoking industry. Mm. Because it's not just, you know, smoking kills your lungs, right? Right. Passive smoking kills the lungs of people near you. And we've right. moved on that in this country. And then we farm the cigarettes out overseas, of course. But cattle, while it's arguably an unhealthy product, some would say carcinogenic, certainly unhealthy in the amounts that we eat it. And it's a processed food, too. Yes. No, no less processed than the plant-based substitutes of the veggie burgers and vegan yes. dogs. Stuff. They're all processed, all yeah. of it. And then it's also destroying the environment. Oh, and by the way, a little thing called the climate crisis. If you believe in, you know, science, that methane from cows, that's believe right. it or not, it's invisible. And that's why the industry is so successful in just lying about it, because you can't see it. You can't see global warming, you don't but think. You, you can do. hear it and you can smell it because the belching and the farting of cows, if you're close, if you're close enough. But that is true. That I believe that is actually a greater contributor um than automobiles or greenhouse gases yeah i mean it depends on your numbers but i I, at the very most conservative estimate of transportation sector which is all planes trains automobiles right putts and all motor vehicles combined ships roadways and airways airplanes which of course everybody knows are polluting all that combined is like 13 or 14 percent this is according to the united nations the report of greenhouse gases and uh animal farming which I call cattle cattle factories are at least seventeen percent of greenhouse gases, and that's the most conservative estimate by the UN. And the World Bank did a wonderful report, uh, which estimated taking into account how there's carbon dioxide of trucking inside that industry and mm-hmm. methane and duration of how it degrades in the atmosphere. It was fifty one percent of all greenhouse gases, and that's a hotly contested figure. But to play it safe, if you want, depending on who you're talking to, it's certainly more than the transportation sector. That That is an accepted fact. But then, Jack, you have to tie the two in together. And loop resources. Well. It's not just on the Internet. But then you have to tie the two in together because people don't go and shoot the cow and then eat it raw. They have to use transportation, which involves planes, trains, automobiles, and sometimes ships. To ship exactly. it all over the world. So you see, we exactly. can't. We may not be giving up the airplane and the car, but we can give up the state because that contributes in, in a host of ways. And they pollute the water that we drink. So even if you're vegan, you're still getting the negative effects of it, unless you don't ever shower or. Yeah, I mean the the the, the lunacy of how we we do things. Um, but I did want to get to some of the potential good news. Well, why we're talking today on Friday um, about what's what's going on with the public comments and where where you see the likelihood that they're going to, uh, well, when when they might make a decision and what that would mean for the for the two Leos. Because as, as we all know, even if the government said, you know, on December 1st, okay, we're gonna take down the fence, that doesn't mean the fence comes down December 2nd. 
Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. no. It's, it's, well, it's, it's a painfully long process for us inpatient exactly. activists. Exactly. But actually, as far as federal change goes, the way I frame it is this. Yeah. Uh, I've been working on this three years. People have been working on it for many, many years, but it's accelerated in the most in the last two years. Yeah. And there have been two lawsuits that are currently going on and pressing the park service as well, which is an embarrassment for them that Good. they're being, you know, outed basically for killing the wildlife in a national park. Well, they should be. This, yeah. And giving subsidized private cattle ranching the run of the place and and polluting it, polluting the seashore, Point Reyes National Seashore and the West Coast above San Francisco. So the win is activists, lawsuits, citizens, a lot of media coverage, TV coverage for the elk behind me, the beautiful animals, have got the Park Service to make a proposal as of June 9th to, re to remove the elk fence, which is the first necessary step of rewilding this park um, and allowing the tule elk to be free, freed from this uh, drought-stricken compound mm -hmm. so they're not uh, dying by the hundreds that they had in the last decade, which is a, a brutal term, a management tool well, they'll, the population will rise and fall because of the drought, because they're blocked by a fence and can't go find water on the larger park outside the boundary of the reserve. So the Park Service is asking for public comments now. So we ask you to, as I'll give the URLs here, go and say, yes, we support your proposal to remove the fence, which they're calling Alternative B out of an A, B, and C choice. Um, and that's at uh, idausa.org slash elk. IDAUSA.org slash elk. And there's a simple form that it'll take you two minutes to do. More information on my treespiritproject.com website, treespiritproject.com forward slash elk. And there's more information. It also leads to the same form. And it's a it's a big win for the environmental movement. It's the first step toward then raising the next step of awareness, which is cattle in this park are a destructive force as they are a destructive force everywhere. It's an unusual win in a relatively short time, when you think that some six-year term senator might not get a bill passed in the six years he or she's been working on it. So in just the, sh the three short years I've been working on this campaign, we're seeing a change in federal policy and the door is opening to release these elk. And then, of course, it will raise a whole new host of issues about conflict with the cattle ranchers. And uh, as in all these cases, just informing the public, an educated electorate is the answer to so many problems because people... People are, I mean, on this issue, it's so easy. It's just such a no-brainer because it's a national park where everyone knows wild animals should be free and there shouldn't be any businesses of any kind polluting a national park, let alone cattle operations, which produce, uh, pollute, excuse me, massively. Now, I wanted to clarify, uh, alternative B. Is... B for better, B for better. Okay, so what might be... A. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so fair enough. A is everything's fine. Leave things as they are. Okay. They're that's required no by, good. Right, that's well, they're good. required by law to offer. We will do nothing. Right. That's one option. It's it's a rational argument to have that. B okay. is we're going to remove the fence. And then there's a, a host of other things, which I, it gets very granular. Um, it, it, my website has more about that and links to the Park Service website, which is always hard to find, but more about that. And then alternative C, the third is don't release the elk and call the elk in the reserve and some other horrible stuff. It's it's what I call the, it's so terrible. It's such an obviously pro-ranching alternative. It's no alternative at all. And I choose with my uh, boundless optimism, despite opposition, to see that as a very clear choice. You either are going to leave it terrible, which got the Park Service in hot water politically, because it just looks so awful to do what they're doing. You're going to remove the fence, which doesn't put the cattle operations out of business. They're not going to be happy but it doesn't put them out of business 
or C, make things even worse for the wildlife and give even more to the ranchers. So that's mm -hmm. not tenable either. So right. of the three choices we're presented with, B, the middle choice, B for better is the way to go. Okay. Well, that's actually good because oftentimes when they do that, uh, it's like you need a team of lawyers to go through the difference between A and B. But here, this is clearly do nothing, do the right thing, or make it like a worse. And, and even still, you're right. It is a bureaucracy. And, you know, they're they're not the worst, but it's it's not, let's put it this way. It's not really clearly designed. It's like going to a PG&E or Con Edison website and saying, pay your bill. Well, pay your bill is easy. If you want to say, discontinue my service. Oh, it's there. Try and find it. <laughs> right. It's very so, difficult. So that's why we we shuttle you through to do this form and, and make a public comment. And we're grateful for your attention to this, folks, and, and a public comment, whether it's through In Defense of Animals or my Tree Spare Project, we'll give you context and explanation. And you'll know that we're on the side of, yeah, we're we're kooky. We want wild animals to be free in a national park, and we don't want cattle operations polluting the air and bringing the climate crisis even faster down upon us. That's how wacky we are. I just had two two more questions. Uh, one, you had mentioned that this wasn't going to, if they remove the fence, or I should say when, when they remove the fence. Um, that the end of next not, year, the end of next year, by the way, that would it, be, if it moves a full speed, okay. full speed ahead, it would be by the end of next year, which is, you know, time is marching on pretty quickly these days. Well, for government, that seems pretty, pretty quick. Exactly, exactly. But, but that doesn't, necessarily mean that the cows will be leaving is that my understanding it has nothing to do with removing the cattle operations that's the next that would be the next step the next step okay and there are again a couple lawsuits pressing on them right now so there are negotiations going on and okay. there are secret negotiations between the ranching organizations uh the ranching concerns mm -hmm. the park service and then three environmental groups are, are have a brought a suit because of the pollution in the park, which we activists have documented. We've actually right. hired for thousands of dollars professional engineer to test the water downstream of the ranches and prove, surprise, the fecal coliform content is, you know, 200 or 300 times the allowable health limit. And this is going on silently in a national park where people have recreational contact with the water, whether it's splashing around at a beach or people splashing in a kayak or wading or something, you can come into contact with fecal indicator bacteria as it's the fancy term for it from cattle manure obviously you don't want to be waiting in poopy water my term for it i assume there's no sign warning people correct there is no sign correct. and it's worse than that <laughs> the first year we, we did two years of testing the second year was most extensive the first year after the testing um uh we notified the county agency and some reasonable person low-level person at the agency i don't want to give names here but put out a sign that lasted 24 hours, and then the Park Service saw that. I'm giving a name, the National Park Service. Federal said, you you have no jurisdiction here, and they took the sign down. Warning about fecal bacteria in the water. Well, so it made them look bad, obviously. It made them look bad, look exactly. Bad. exactly. So, I mean, people say, aren't there federal, state, and county regulations about water pollution? There sure are. You, I'll give you $100 cash in the barrelhead if you can get on the phone and make them any of those agencies take responsibility and do something about it. It just doesn't work that way politics, money, and that's why we activists do what we do and, and have been successful again. I want to end on that happy note on this issue today. We yes. actually showed that uh, the Martha Mead quote, I'm sure you, uh, Margaret Mead, excuse me, <laughs> Margaret Mead, which is never doubt that a small committed group of individual, individuals can change the world 
Indeed, it is the only they, thing that they, it ever does, right? Yes, that that is true. So I just wanted to end on one other thing. Um, let's say someone is tuning in and it's after Monday, right? The deadline for the public comment. That doesn't mean that the fight is over or that they can't help, right? So oh, there, correct. there's, there's, plenty, there's still plenty of work to, to, to be done. And in fact, they can still contact the park service and say, listen, I don't care public con uh, comment is over. I want the fence removed. I want the cattle out. I want the park, you know, to be a park. Is that correct? Yes, uh, I would say there's the the public comment period officially ends, but you can still sign. Well, actually, you know, here's the question. I don't know whether they take those forms down and close them out. You can always write the park service. That takes more effort. We're making right. it really quick and easy, like literally two minutes to do this because we have a form already on the website that you can fill out very quickly and know what to do. You can always write the park service and they they receive them. You know, sometimes you feel like you're um, what is that expression spitting into the wind yeah. <laughs> or something? <laughs> but if you're interested in this issue, it will be ongoing for sure. And we we expect the movement to grow because it's a winning movement, you know, about um, alerting people about the dangers to wildlife from the cattle industry and the pollution of the cattle industry. And uh, as you said earlier in the show, it's really I, I really end on that note, which is of all the issues that are overwhelming and upsetting today, the thing we can do every single day with such minimal effort, and if you practice it, it then takes no effort and it's easy, is just quit meat and dairy and all animal products. But if you just stop, I mean, I get in trouble for this as a, you know, a vegan activist from other vegan activists, just stop eating beef, stop eating pig, yeah. eating sweet little pigs. Yeah. And drinking milk is probably no. the worst because the mothers are tortured in addition to taking their milk and taking their babies away. It's not like the industry wants you to believe where, oh, we just take a little milk and moms are fine out there in the, as I say, the Ben and Jerry cow fields. It's yeah. just so not that, despite advertising, which would have you believe otherwise. Daily, well, keep, you can make a difference with so little effort. They keep the moms pregnant to get the milk. And then the 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 calves are not really well, depending upon who the farmer is, they might get a couple of days or they might not get any at all. And then uh, and you can actually find find these little gizmos on Amazon for like a dollar eighty nine. I think there's uh, videos on YouTube showing you how to use it. But they put these um, rings through the nose. Sometimes they just cover the, the mouth and they're spiking. And it's so that when the baby goes to nurse the mom, it inflicts such pain that the mom rejects rejects the baby. Uh, as brutal as the slaughterhouses are, the dairy industry is even worse because not only does it involve a slaughterhouse, but it involves all of that torture leading up to it. And of course, you know, bonus point, it destroys human health as well, not just the water we drink. Uh, it completely destroys the land so that you can't grow anything else on it. Um, it's mean, amazing, isn't it, Stacey? We... pasta, right? It's amazing that our, our generation, we were, you know, going to public schools with, you know, signs on the cafeteria wall saying three glasses of milk a day. And it's only as an adult, you know, decades later for me that I learned, oh, that was all the dairy industry, just infiltrating the government, putting those signs up and brainwashing us little kids. Well, who, who drinks milk from another species and why on earth would an adult drink milk? Milk, is, milk has one job from any species. And the one job is to give immunity to the baby, their baby of their own species and to fatten them up very quickly. So I always found it really odd uh, as a woman when people would diet 
and they'd be like, oh, no, I'm not eating steak, but I'll, I'll have my cottage cheese. And I'm like, sweetheart, that's even worse for you. You know, it's fascinating how powerful cult, our cultural conditioning is. I saw there was a vegan activist who did some shtick where he's got a table outside at some university and he's got cow's milk and then he has human milk, um, human breast milk. And people are disgusted with that. Yes. And if you just think about that, I mean, how I understand bizarre, because it. that's our own species, right? Hey, it's right. Like... Oh, it's disgusting. Why would I drink mom's milk? I'm an adult now. And yet I'm going to drink exactly. the mom's milk of a cow. Like, exactly. It just, right. it, what a brilliant idea to just reveal people's own conditioning. If they're, I mean, even if they're even able to see it when confronted with that bizarreness, you know, because, yeah, that's weird. But why is it weird? Let me think about that for a moment. Right. The well, conditioning is what's weird. I always say baby food. I'm like, why, why, why are you consuming baby food? And people are like, it's not baby food. I'm like, it is baby food. Yeah. It's the only baby food, you know. Uh, but that's just, you know, pe people are pe people are funny. But I will include these links with the video so people can click on them. And you know, like Jack said, it only takes a couple of minutes. You know, yeah. only takes a couple. And, and of if minutes. you're interested, and if thank you, if you're interested in these issues, you can also you know get emails from both Indefensive Animals uh, anywhere on the website. You know, sign up for email as with my TreeSpiritProject.com website. And we'll keep you informed if you would like about this issue, which is a winning issue, <laughs> really one of the one of the few these days. When I, I need it because I get so, you know, it gets upsetting, of course, to be fighting these losing battles and watching them go down in flames all the times. In the case of the planet, perhaps literally in flames. I'm in California right now, where right now the air quality outside is 140 ppm on the Purple Air app, which means I shouldn't go out and exercise because of wildfires burning in Northern California and Southern Oregon. So that's the world we live in today. Gosh, Jack, if only someone had warned us years ago. <laughs> Gosh, you know, if only someone had told us in the, let me think, 70s or 80s that perhaps cars running on oil might not be the only way to move from point A to point B, or if only somebody had done a study on animal agriculture, warning us of these possible issues. Gosh, imagine how different things would be if we didn't have all these car, you know, if we didn't have all these cows um, farting and belching and causing all those wildfires. That uh, the Forest Service has a budget of over nine billion dollars and a nonprofit. I won't even get into how that's legal, um, and they can't get control of the wildfires, and they don't support native herbivores well, as a way to control. I'll do a, th a thirty-second deviation, and then we'll go. So I, you know, don't let me get me started, but just thirty seconds, which is out here in California now. The big issue is wildfires, right? right understandably yes. so, and oh, people are justifiably afraid of wildfires, which are they're not actually historically increasing, but there's an upswing recently, and people think. But now the U.S. Forest Service and a lot of the state parks and a lot of state agencies are advocating thinning forests, which is logging, in order to make the forests safer from wildfire, which is, in other words, cutting down the forests in order to save them, which accelerates the climate crisis, which actually increases wind through the forest so they'll burn faster. So that's the next fight, which is really depressing because I, I just like you're up against these agencies that are doing it to mostly to sell the, the timber, the wood, the trees, dead trees, which we need desperately more of, cutting down trees because, hey, they're going to burn and they get money for the U.S. Forest Service by selling it to the timber industry. So that's a whole other issue I'm involved with my Tree Spirit project. So I actually go to, I'm, after I'm done with you right now at four o'clock on a Friday, I'm going to get in my car and drive out to visit these elk, elk, 
slow down from my New Yorker's pace out here in California, be with these beautiful animals, thank them for their presence yes, and the, the gift of their calm and their quiet that they give me, which I clearly need and benefit clearly from. Need, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I thank you for letting me go off on that wild, crazy ride of a tangent there, Stacey Lee. Thank no, you. no, actually it all, it all goes together. Um, and of course, being a Scorpio, I have a suspicious mind. So I'm thinking, hmm, if they thin the forest, it's not just for the loggers, right? Bear with me here for a second. And then, then I'm going to let you go. If they thin the forest, right? And then, of course, you have more wildfires, which are very destructive. And then, of course, you have more grazing and all of that. You know, it's kind of like, well, if the land is already ruined, shucks, there's no reason to protect it. Right. We can hire companies to plant trees. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's so called I'm, I'm always thinking there's there might be something even more nefarious behind all of that. And unfortunately, that has been proven to be to be true so it all congratulations stacy lee you're more cynical than me you win <laughs> good for you <laughs> i'm a new yorker i can't help it <laughs> well, so my sister i get it <laughs> that is true that is that is true <laughs> so um this video will be up and running shortly with the links and anyone listening i i hope that you take this to heart and you know just take a couple of minutes and try to help the elk and it's not just the elk that you will be helping but you will be making a statement that this nonsense this bs policy cannot continue it cannot continue at point reyes for the elk it cannot continue in california it cannot continue end of story you know there's it's a, it's there's, a bs there's plan for the cows not the national parks it's a bs industry literally it is a, it a, is BS a bs industry, industry. <laughs> it is it really it really it really is it really is well thank you jack Thank you so much, Stacey. We Thank always you for talking to you. So I hope this does some good and go enjoy the elk. Give them a give them a wave from me. I'm rooting for them. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thanks to everybody who's listening and cares about this issue. We need we need more people who care, obviously. So go out into nature, I always say, and feel true. love for it, feel peace, and then you'll have the energy and the motivation to do something to protect it. We need that. That is true. That is true. We are part of nature. We forget that sometimes. So with that, I'm gonna say goodbye. Good luck and uh, send in send in the comments before Monday. Bye. Thank you.